On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every 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 day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show. I'm your host, Ron Johnson. Everybody listening on your podcast, thank you for being a part of the uh, Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. For those watching on YouTube, hey, how do I look today? But as I bring in my uh, producer, Sam Ekstrom, uh, we're going to talk about the Vikings. Breaking news, the Vikings signed wide receiver Albert Wilson. Play for the Kansas City Chiefs, play for the Miami Dolphins of most recent. And he's a guy that's, he, you know, he's about 2,400 yards. He's amassed uh, 12 touchdowns. Um, he's a guy that, that played and helped out the Dolphins, helped out the Chiefs here and there. Uh, not a big piece to the puzzle, but a piece nonetheless. And he's a guy that's going to come in and compete. And there's the thing when I look at Albert Wilson and when you name the names and it kind of, it threw me aback when I thought about it. So he's going to join Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, BC Johnson, Amir Smith-Marset, Dan Chisena, Tristan Jackson, Myron Mitchell, Thomas Hennigan, Jalen Naylor, and Blake Pro. That is a full room of guys. That's a lot of guys. And when you think about Jan Dan Chisena, what does he do different than everybody else? Well, special teams. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset, what does he do different than other guys? He can return. Um... I think that's what is going to have to happen because you know what KJ Osborne can do. You know what Smith, uh, Amir Smith-Marset can do. And then we know what BC Johnson can do. I I'm going to put BC Johnson up there with KJ Osborne. I think those are, are one, two pieces going into that third receiver spot to fight. But BC's got a lot to work to do. Um, but you get a veteran guy in BC. You get a guy that started some games. You get a guy that was very uh, a very good piece of this puzzle when Adam Thielen went down against the Lions. Uh, with I think a leg injury, if I can't remember, a couple years ago. Um, but but that's that, that's what this room is about. Smith, Amir Smith Marset falls into the five. I just think logistically that's how it goes. Uh, and then Dan Shishin is your six. And so when you think about bringing in Albert Wilson, what does he do different? Well, he's five nine. That's different than everybody else in that room. Um, he's a jitterbug guy that can run the ball. You can you can run some jet sweeps if you think about some of the things the Rams do, uh, the reverses they do. Maybe that's why they bring him in because they don't have a guy other than Smith Marset that's kind of a jitter buggy guy in the back. Other and then you throw in uh, Kane Wangwu. That's where I go with that. I think he's going to be kind of like a, a KJ or not a KJ Osborne, but a um, I, Tajay Sharp. Sorry, and I interviewed the guy. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, but Tajay Sharp, I, I feel like it's that kind of piece—a guy that can make the roster, um, a, a guy that can you know be a four fifth receiver. Uh, but a guy that's not going to compete with Adam Thielen is Justin Jefferson. Like th this is a piece of the puzzle that when they looked at their offense and all the things that, that Kevin O'Connell wants to do, and you, you look at the creativity within his offense, Adam Thielen said it. And, and I'm so upset that Adam Thielen's interview with us, like we're going to get him back on, but he had some issues here and there. So we only got some of the questions in, but one of the questions I asked him was, where do you see yourself fitting? Well, he went on the Pat McAfee show and he kind of broke that down. He said, man, this is the most I feel like I've had to learn in an offense in my career. And when I, when he says that, and I talk to BC, we're going to get BC on, it's the creativity within the packages. It's the creativity within the routes. There's more choice routes. And so for those who understand NFL, a choice route is nothing new and special. It's just you're giving your quarterback and your receivers a little bit more autonomy to create. So if it's man-to-man, -man, you have a guy over the top, you can just hook it up right in front of him. You also can run an out route if his leverage, if you feel like is inside. If he's, his leverage is outside, you can run across his face, whether it's a deep over, whether it's a slant. 
And then, and then of course, if he's impressed, depending on what the outside receiver has, a fourth option in your your uh, choice might be a go. When Adam Thielen said that, I'm like, man, that's crazy. And so the fact that now they're creating, Kirk Cousins can check in and out of plays. He can change up some stuff. I think that when you add a piece like this, um, it's just another 5'9", jitterbug. You're just adding a piece and maybe say, look, we don't have this. We don't have a guy um, because I think everybody thought it was going to be uh, BB. He could have been that guy to run jet sweeps and everything. Kanewangu is fast. He's a running back. He can run with the ball. But you can't trick people when you put your running back in the slot unless he runs a lot of routes. Other than that, you're like, oh, here comes a jet sweep. You put a receiver out there who can actually run routes, your, your ears are in alert. You got to have high alert, but you don't know what's going to happen. So that's where I take this signing. I think it's a it's a piece that can come into camp and compete. Uh, D.D. Westbrook was uh, in Minnesota working out for the Vikings. They decided, uh, you know, maybe not yet. This guy worked out as well, and they went on with him first. But, again, this is not over. You got guys that are injured. You got guys that are going down all the time. You got minicap coming up. It's going to be kicked up a notch. So there might be some hamstrings, some soft tissues. And so they just wanted to see where D.D. Westbrook was after a year off the injury. And now they at least know, and then that's the next step. Yeah, the Vikings have always had two unbelievable receivers at the top, Thielen yep. and Diggs, Thielen and Jefferson, for years. They toiled to try to find a third, right? They BB was always injury prone. Um, mm -hmm. You know, BC had injury issues, obviously. Michael Floyd didn't work out very well. Tajay Sharp didn't work out very well. Laquan Treadwell didn't work out very well. So they've been struggling just to find a third. Last year, they got it. KJ Osborne became a really good third wide receiver. Mm -hmm. um, so now it's about building up the depth. And when you're going to be passing the ball a lot, you might be in some four wide receiver sets. Why not? build up even more depth why stop there um i think albert wilson could be a better version of chad Beebe because the thing he's known for is his speed and his ability to separate quickly mm -hmm. so if it's third and three and you're a little nervous to run the ball you want to make sure you're throwing it you know past the sticks albert wilson might be the kind of guy in short spaces who can get open quickly four four speed um you know he's obviously been under some really good offensive minds in kansas city i i i like the pickup um, and I, I think that you can never have too many wide receiving weapons. And, you know, beyond Osborne, it's, it's not that deep of a room. You've got a lot of names, mm -hmm. but it's not that experienced of a room. And Wilson brings you seven years of NFL experience, still 29. I don't think he's lost too much of a step yet. Um, I like the pickup and I don't think he's supposed to be a massive producer. I think he's just, you know, pick your spots with him a little third down here, run a couple special routes with him. Um, because a lot of attention is going to be put on Thielen, Jefferson, and Osborne, which hopefully opens things up for Wilson. Yeah, and when you look at uh, – and I'm going to the Rams because we, that's where we're going to go most of the year until we get going. Because of who they have, Kevin O'Connell, I got to go back to the Rams receiving room. And so Kevin O'Connell in his mind, what what did our room look like? So you look at Van Jefferson. You look at Ben Schoenroke uh, or Schoenneck. Schoenroneck. I don't know how you say that. Skoronek? Skoronek, yeah. Um, you look at um, – <laughs> it was in there you got cooper cup you got tutu atwell who went down with injury uh you had odell beckham and so when you think and then you had woods and so when you think and he went down with injury so when you look at all these pieces um to their puzzle and currently they have Allen robinson now from chicago uh they got jj koski um koski i have you said so when you think about those pieces and I remember specifically uh, Scone Neck, whatever, Ben, number 18. Uh, I, I forgot who went down, but he ended up being the guy to have to run the deep go. 
And when you are the fourth or fifth wide receiver in the room and you're in the game in a big playoff spot, big Super Bowl spot, and you get sent deep, you think, like, I'm the clear-out guy. Now, Matthew Stafford is like, look, dude, you're one-on-one with the safety. And he chucks it up there. Dude hits the ball, like, off his shoulder pads, <laughs> completely just drops the moment. Like, he could have been a big, big-time story of, like, Here's another situation where, like, Tom Brady has done that in the past. He's turned a nobody into a star in a Super Bowl or a playoff game. Matthew Stafford had that same thought. Like, look, nobody's going to go with what's going neck or whatever. How you say his name? Ben? Um, Skoronic? Skoronic. Skoronic. There it goes. Um, nobody's going to go with him. And, and Stafford gets it. So when I look at these pieces here, Kevin O'Connell is having that same mindset. How can I get a guy like that? That's maybe Jan Chisena. You know, like we're, we're throwing out these names like we think they're locks, but we don't know what they want out of their guys based off their offense. Dan Jacinta's fast. Dan Jacinta's long. Dan Jacinta can get behind the safety. You know, his speed has not been utilized yet. We haven't seen his hands, but that could be a guy that becomes the fifth, sixth receiver in that because he is a special teams guy that nobody else is going to do, which is gunner, kickoff, kickoff return, and he doesn't mind doing it and does it well. Um, I think that's some of the pieces to this puzzle uh, that we keep forgetting. Special teams is huge. Like, you can't carry five to six receivers and two to three don't play special teams. Like, it just doesn't happen. You don't have that flexibility anymore with 49 guys or 49 guys traveling and dressing. 53 guys, 49 dress. Um, that That's that's kind of the, 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 the big overarching message. We got to remember special teams is key. I got a chance to see the special teams coach yesterday and, and some of the things he's looking at doing, the drills, the guys in there. Hey, that, that third receiver spot is kind of the three locks. And then after that, these next three have to be special teams guys, most likely, where you get Smith-Marset, you get Dan Chisena, and then you get B.C. Johnson, who's a special teams guy and has been. So I think that's going to be the key for those other three is Keenan McCardell is going to have to fight for him, but he's going to say, hey, look, this guy can play gunner. This guy can play kickoff return. Um that, that's where I think it's going to be key. And the same with DBs. We've seen in the past nine, ten, you know, nine cornerbacks, you know, nine DBs, nine, ten DBs going in the game for Zimmer. It's not that defense anymore. So wh where do they find pieces? Can they go to a game with seven, eight DBs and hope they all stay healthy and then pick up more linebackers because of the three, four situation, all this other. I mean, there's a lot of uh, nuances that are going to be a little bit different this year as far as numbers and how they go into a game. But next up. We're going to take a look at the Minnesota Vikings behind the scenes. Why? Because I was able to be there, not as a media member, as an employee. I did a show yesterday for the Vikings, and then I was asked to stay at practice. And I can't divulge everything I learned, but I can give you guys some key tips about what's to come for this Minnesota team. Conversations I had with Quasey, Kevin O'Connell, and why Kevin O'Connell has a bad back. We got to figure that out next on the Ron Johnson Show. Stick around for that. If you enjoy the Ron Johnson Show, you enjoy our other daily show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's Superior Sports Talk with Care 11 Sports Director Reggie Wilson and his co-host Luke Emmon. Whether it's Twins, Vikings, Wolves, or Wild, Reggie and Luke have it covered with all the breaking news and big opinions. Catch the show five days a week by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, now it's time to go behind the scenes at the Minnesota Vikings. And normally we have a guest, but you know what? After having a 30-minute conversation with Quasi, as I bring my producer Sam Extraman, mm -hmm. having a, you know, five-minute-ish conversation with Kevin O'Connell, just shooting the breeze, talking about players we both play with, guys we both know, 
Um, got a chance to talk to Coach Rump, the D-line coach, who was with my roommate, Anthony Weaver. We were drafted together in 2002. He was with him with the Texans. Um, and um, <laughs> it, it was just funny, some of the stories. Like, it, as I, you know, and we talked about, you know, he, he asked me, and I, and I love this, about Coach Rump, the D-line coach, to start there. His first thing was, man, how do you like what you're doing? You know, which is I kind of told him, you know, I do some shows with Vikings. I work for Fox. I do a podcast. Um, I, I do the Vikings fan line on after the post game for the for, for the Vikings. And he just kind of acts like, you know, how do you like doing that? Well, one, I like the freedom and flexibility. And I talked to him about it. But the thing we hit on uh, the most was former players. We, we both, he was a former player as well. He was at Alabama, one of my former teammates as well, Terry Jones, his dad, Terry Jones Sr. is the weight coach, so he was there at Alabama with him. And we both just talked about players being disconnected. You look at players getting in trouble off the field once they're done playing. Guys, you know, overdosing on alcohol, killing themselves, CTE, all the little things like that. And then you look at the guys, um, and not to say this is the only reason, but you look at guys like Jerome Bettis, uh, Ryan Clark, Keyshawn Johnson, um, you know, the list can go on. Marcus Spears, Dan Orlovsky. Um, not to say that's the only way to stay around, but, I mean, you got to look at, like, Steve Smith, Michael Irvin, uh, Warren Sapp, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Reggie, Will, uh, Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne does not have to coach in the NFL, but he did. He went back. Why? Because you missed those conversations. And I can't wait to get Reggie on the show because – Reggie made fun of me once. Not made fun of me, but him and uh, I forgot Joseph Adai. I think like made a joke in the lunchroom one day when they saw me coming in with the coaches. Like, oh man, like they were talking loud enough for us to all hear. We know we're. Oh man, I, I don't know if I'd be the coach, man, when I'm done playing, man. I'm I can't come back here, man. Blah blah. You know, and look at Reggie. He's back coaching. Why? Because when you leave football, it's the it's a fraternity, but it's the only place in the locker room where. No matter what's going on in your life, the locker room is going to be like neutral ground. I don't know if that's France or Canada. I always hear that joke. But it's neutral ground in the locker room. And so we talked about that. Then we talked about uh, Quasey walks up. And Quasey was college uh, classmates with one of my former teammates, Chisholm Oprah. Um, and Chisholm is now a scout. But they both were at Princeton. Quasey comes over. And that's, what the, that's the best one because he just stands there with us. For 30 minutes, like just talking about hooping, talking about his fiance. We talked about Kirk Cousins. We talked about my top 10 tweet. They all saw it as well. Um, and so I, I even like his take on that because I kind of, you know, we talked about Shannon Sharp, blah, blah. But, you know, Quasey even put, he's like, man, yeah, you can argue he's a top 10 quarterback. Like, you definitely can. Like, he's because he's like everybody that just because they were talking about my tweet. And I looked at it too. He's like, everybody that disagreed with you put Kirk in 13 or 12. What's the difference? And when I thought about it, I'm like, you're right. What's the difference in nine and 13? Not a lot. It's not a huge, because my take, and I said it, you know, because I'm like, look, man, we, we're, we're being open and honest. I'm like, look, I don't put Kyler Murray ahead of Kirk Cousins. And they were all like, yeah, I can see that. Like, but it's the coach. It's the skill set. It's what you're going to do with Kyler. You know, Justin Fields, I saw some people try to joke and throw him in over Kirk. So when you look at that, and, and you look at that conversation, like I, I'm excited about where the, and I'll tell the Kevin O'Connell story later, but I'm excited about where this team is going just for the simple fact of that. He talked about analytics. We talked about NFTs and his analytics. He said, you know what? Analytics are just like stats. Coaches use stats all the time to dictate who they're going to cover, who they're going to try to stop, what, what they're going to do on third down X, Y, and Z. He said, that's analytics. They just don't call it that. 
He's like, everybody uses numbers. You just call it what you want. He's like, I went to Princeton, so people want to throw analytics in my face or say whatever. Not, He didn't say it that way, but that's how I took it. Uh, they want to throw analytics out there, but no. He's like, I, I, I go with my gut too. Like He's like, I go with the numbers, but everybody goes with the numbers. And then I have to make a decision based off my gut, what I think and what I see fitting. And he said he watched, you know, he had to catch up on film. He had to watch all the practice film and all the stuff and blah, blah, as a GM would do. And uh, yeah, it was cool, man. So that that's that was my takeaway, Sam. Like, you know, and any other questions you want to ask Sam, go ahead. But yeah, that was that was like one of my early takeaways from just one day being over there. Yeah, well, I want you to eventually tell me why Kevin O'Connell has a bad back. But as, <laughs> as far as Quasi goes, I, I love his new approach so far. Now, I don't know, you know, how it plays out when decisions actually have to get made. I just know what he's told us about how he likes to make decisions um, right. in theory. But taking it all into account, the numbers, the eye test, the scouting, um, the analytics, mm -hmm. and then putting it all into this big pot and kind of stirring it up and then out pops sort of this final evaluation, if you will. Um, football has a heartbeat. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like there's a lot of different variables in it. Scheme is huge. Um, your previous team's uh, win loss record, you know, can influence how how things should get judged. The uh, the coaches that you have, the teammates that you have, like all of that should pour into evaluation. So when you're talking about draft free agency, um, I'm really interested to start getting kind of a body of work to see how he approaches this stuff. Um, and, you know, not only that, Ron, but to see how his pickups this year perform. Mm -hmm. How's Harrison Phillips going to do? How is Jordan Hicks going to do? Like, is, is he going to nail this first year of free agents? Remember um, the, the Spielman Zimmer era started out in 2014. And I know Spielman had been here before, but when Zimmer got into the picture, they decided to go get Captain Munderlin, Linval Joseph, Terrence Newman. Um, and every move just seemed to work out early on there. Their draft mm -hmm. picks were good. Their free agents were good. And somewhere along the line, they kind of got off, off kilter. But um, can Quazy come in here and make an immediate splash with some of these new acquisitions? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and and I like I like I told him I'm like, look, man, it feels different out here. Like the vibe, the way they warm up, uh, the the dynamic uh, stretches of each position, kind of doing their own thing. Like it was it was really cool to see like the detail put into this. And he said, man, the toughest thing for me right now is just being a general manager, which is a manager of people. He was like, the people management side of this is 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 a lot more. Um, than you would think sometimes. Um, but, you know, he said he loves it. It, it. The other thing, too, I took away, and Spice Adams said this, if Kirk Cousins didn't make the amount of money he made, which he's definitely not, you know, number two, number three, number four anymore, but if he didn't make that money out the gate that he got, and if he didn't make, you know, the second, third contracts, um, people wouldn't argue where Kirk Cousins should be. It's because of the money, too, that people just took this totally different, uh, turn on Kirk Cousins, like, oh, is he really worth the money? And then you just automatically put him into a box of, well, if he, he, if he doesn't do this, he's not good, he's not worth the money. And I think that's the negative mindset that people have with him. Uh, but getting to the Kevin O'Connell. So Kevin O'Connell comes out, you know, 6'5", big, tall guy. Um, and, you know, I introduced myself to him because, again, this is the first time I'm meeting all these coaches and, and staff and everybody. And, you know, we talk about players, We, you know, Darius Butler on the show. I see, you know, we talked about Darius. He said he loves D-Butt, blah, blah. Um, we talked about Bart Scott, of course. Guy I grew up with since I was eight. You know, me and Bart played Little League football together, which is even cool that me and Bart wore purple when we were eight. 
and then we wore purple when we were 21 with the Ravens. So it was it was cool to see. And I didn't know Bart was even getting picked up by the Ravens because he's a free agent. I didn't find out to literally all the draft picks get off their planes. You know, everybody flies in different times, but everybody has to be there by a certain time because they're like, look, the first shuttle will be here at four o'clock. Everybody on the shuttle for the Ravens at four o'clock. So we all get on there. I look back, Bart Scott's in the back of the bus, you know, and so, uh, but Bart Scott, <laughs> for those who don't know Bart, Bart is what he is. Bart is super like, he says the weirdest stuff sometimes. He His analogies, and he and I are kind of the same. We both take these analogies from all over the place. We bring it together. Maybe it's how we grew up. Maybe it's our upbringing. Who knows? But Bart's analogies are worse than mine. Um, Bart's stories are a little bit more outlandish. Like Bart saying that the players took Viagra to stay warm because of the blood flow. I'm like, Bart, I don't think anybody's taking Cialis or Viagra. But besides you for a football game. But whatever. Um, like Bart says that we are everybody and it's him. Um, but Bart basically Kevin O'Connell had a, like a herniated disc in his back and a hurt back because of Bart Scott. And I forgot the other player, but basically said in practice, he was the backup. So he had to do some of the scout stuff. They did like this twist and Kevin said, partly it's his fault. If he had kind of just stood still, maybe he wouldn't have got hit, but he tried to like maneuver out of the way of Bart and another guy and Bart hit him high. The other guy hit him low and back just gave out. Um, he said, Bart's the reason for his back injury because Bart hit him in practice. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, you're not supposed to hit. I'm like, y'all were hitting back then. Like, I mean, I know quarterbacks. We weren't hitting our quarterbacks. He was like, no, nah, nah, it's one of those, you know, like he's not supposed to hit me, but he hit me. And I'm like, yeah, that's Bart. <laughs> like Bart sometimes goes faster than his mind. And he probably was thinking like, okay, quarterback's going to stand. There, I'm going to just run through. Kevin did say I shouldn't have moved because if you move and they're moving, their only option is to hit you and not hurt themselves. And so it's like, do I hurt myself or hurt the backup quarterback? Let's hurt the backup quarterback. And they nailed Kevin O'Connell. And, uh, yeah, he hurt his back. But, yeah, and so that was a quick conversation. He had to get out to practice. I wasn't going to be that guy to hold the head coach up. But, you know, it was kind of cool just to, to meet him quick, talk to him. Um, and then, you know, we're going to have some stuff as the season goes because just like with Zimmer, you know, we'll be around and training camp and so on and so forth. And, um, there are new staff and, but yeah, it was, it was just cool to see behind the scenes and some of the stuff, um, you know, with the coaches, how they interact, like, uh, was it Minuski, Bill Minuski, former player. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, is he linebackers? Outside yeah. Linebackers, linebackers play with Pete Burses. This dude had his gym shoes, his tennis shoes spatted up. That's how, you know, he's crazy. Like he's a former linebacker. So they're already crazy. This dude had the hoodie. I mean, he was doing a little workout too, but he had the hoodie on, fully spatted his gym shoes. Like, took some Jordans and spatted them up for practice. I don't know why. You're not running full speed. Just it's just what he wanted to do today. Like, he just mentally, I'm going I'm to spat up. Like, I don't know why. I'm going to spat up. Like, it was cool. It was cool to see the personalities coming out. You know, of course, Keenan McCardell comes out. Yeah. Like, he's cooler than the other side of the pillow. Got the, you know, the 1985 fro going. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it was, it's fun to see the vibe, you know, you could just tell it's a little bit different, guys. And of course, there's no pads, no hitting. So training camp, we'll really get to see that vibe. Like, are these dudes still excited? Or are you like, oh, here we go again. We're back at training camp, two days, whatever. Um, but no, it, it was it was just fun to meet, uh, like new blood. Like all these coaches came over, and you know, they're all playing basketball together because they're a younger staff. Um, you know, Ed Donatel's son, I heard, is a baller. You know, lefty. So, you know, I told mm -hmm. them they, they play, they play. So they were like, hey, man, if you want to come play, let us know. I just, I don't know if I'm driving to Egan to, to hoop, but maybe one day I might do it just for the experience to go over there and, and you know, show them I got it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's, it, it, it was, it's been a, it was a fun day 
just to be on the inside. And I left my phone in my pocket, you know, no recording, no nothing. I'm not trying to, I wasn't trying to be a reporter. That was the hard thing about meeting Quasey, not being a media member in that point and wanting to get some juicy nuggets from him or just have a conversation about his fiance and, you know, moving to Minnesota and, you know, you know, dating her through the pandemic and all that stuff. Like, you know, we just, we were just having normal guy to guy conversations of former players and everything that, you know, guys that knew each other. And it was just cool to see him, you know, in that setting, you know, a GM out there wearing joggers and a hoodie and a vest. It's like, man, this dude is like a, like, he's just a regular dude. And I think that's cool for players to feel like they can approach him, you know, like they can walk by and speak to him. They can talk to him. Uh, you know, they can, they can, they can have a conversation with Kevin O'Connell. He's out there in the unreal hoodie. Uh, we're going to, we're going to break some news at some point too. Adam Thielen is making a switch uh from his his adidas deal he currently is under so at some point we had to get adam back on and break the news i don't know I'm a, i might text him and say hey, can i break the news myself because he hasn't put it out there yet but he told me face to face hey i think i'm making a switch not cleats though not cleats and gloves just apparel he's he's making a, a switch um cleats he's like hey I, i'm gonna go with whatever they give me but you know for his apparel he's making a change so yeah i, I mean it was, it was cool to be out there and get all those little nuggets uh but you know had fun but next up, we got the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes. Stick around for that. Do you want instant post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite sports teams? Well, check out Locked On Sports Minnesota's podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Following every Twins, Vikings, Wilder Wolves game, our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders like Kevin Gord for the Wild, Brandon Warren for the Twins, uh, and never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. Time for that segment you know, and that's the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Take it away, Sam. I looked at the calendar. It was June 1st. That means we are three months from today away from the Gophers football season. So I got thinking, Ron, what are the chances that the Gophers football team ends up with more wins than the Minnesota Vikings. Different length of season, so it would have to be a really good Gophers season. Um, but is that possible at all in your mind? Um, so originally, <laughs> when I saw this question, I was like, there's no way in hell. Like, it's just, it, you got to get 10 wins in Gophers, and that's big, you're Big Ten champs, most likely, if you get 10 wins. Uh, but then there's also, so this thing, are you talking regular season? Or are you adding the bowl game into this? Yeah, let's put bowl game in it. Okay, so Big Ten Championship possibly, uh, bowl game in there. So now the Gophers possibly playing 14 games. Uh, could they get 12 wins out of that? Yeah, possibly. But here's here's the thing about the Gophers schedule. So if you look at the Gophers schedule early on, um, just like any other sport. So you look at football, you look at basketball, you look at baseball. Um, and we talked about the twins with um, Audrey Martin. It's about starting off fast. And so when you look at the Gophers football um, schedule, the, the big thing is early on, you know, they got the Jerry Kill game that everybody's talking about with New Mexico State. You got Western Illinois. That's a win. You got Colorado. They killed Colorado last year, and now Colorado comes to Minnesota. The goal for the Gophers and Daryl Thompson both is win the game you're supposed to win. So I think that's a winnable game as well. You, you look at Michigan State, that's going to be a tough one. Purdue is winnable. Illinois is winnable. Penn State, tough one. Rutgers is winnable. Minnesota, Nebraska win uh, Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern's not what they used to be. And, they're, and they have to come here, so you take out that boring Northwestern atmosphere. And so I think that's a win. 
Iowa's content, those are the question ones. So those two you take out, Penn State you take out, Michigan State you take out. Those are four that I think are going to be absolute battles. Um, and so if they were to lose those four, that now puts them at eight and four. The Vikings ceiling or floor is seven. When you think about mm-hmm. they play the Lions twice and the Bears twice, that's four there. And then you throw in some of those other games that you just feel like the Vikings should win. I say there's probably a 20 percent chance 25 percent chance the gophers do it because they have to get 10 and they only have 12 games so you got to beat iowa wisconsin penn state or michigan state you got to go two and two versus those four juggernauts that's the problem with college football there's not as lot whereas the vikings have 16 17 games now 18 weeks 17 games um that's more opportunities to win so that's why i'm giving them a 20 to 25 percent chance of doing it um, I, I did change my mind. I had them as a 12 win team to start. Then, you know, the New Orleans Saints got better with Tyra Matthew, uh, Jarvis Landry. And then you look at the, uh, the Brown, both Browns going to the Eagles and the, um, and the Cardinals. So those two teams got better. I had those as wins. So those changed in my mind. So I, I think I changed the Vikings to about a 10 win team, 10 and seven. Um, it's going to come down some field goals, maybe get to 11, 12 wins, but 10 win season. So I, I think, you know, 20% chance. Cause I think the Vikings are going to get 10 wins. The Gophers have to hustle and, and get be great to get to 10. And that's the only difference in that one. Yeah. I, I think the path is for the Gophers to go nine and three and then win a bowl game. Yep. So that'd get them to 10. And then it's, it's very, if the Vikings are a 10 win team in your eyes, I mean, who says they couldn't drop down to nine, um, right. you know, True. with, with a couple bad breaks. I think that that that's kind of the season they've had a lot under mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is, is yeah. that eight, nine range. So if they wind up at nine again uh, and the Gophers go 10 and three, that's a great Gophers season, by the way. Um, right. And hopefully some of those 10 are trophy games, right. um, but hopefully the three aren't just losing to Iowa, Wisconsin and Nebraska. I don't know who else who, are they playing um, Michigan this year. They're not no. right. No, Michigan yeah, State. Okay. So no, uh, no little Brown jug. Um, the twins, Luis arise continues to stay red hot after yesterday's afternoon game. He was hitting three sixty one, and he was second in the batting race in the American league could arise, make a run at the batting title. Uh, he's not far off. I mean, three fifty. he's, he's batting three fifty one. The other guy's three fifty two, three fifty six and three sixty three. So it's a close race right now. Um, again, average because if you go down to average it's averaging the whole time and so you got these guys down at like 293 you know uh cabrera you know that's my guy from detroit 293 right now could he have a tear and just go off yeah he can go off will it happen no it's not gonna happen (laughs) um and there's the problem with it if he goes on a tear he has to continue that to get his average up because he started off at 293 which is still good though like let's not be mistaken like guys in that top 25 top 30 you're they're all good um you just have some guys that are head and shoulders like it's like being graded on the curve you know you might have an a minus but somebody else has a hundred percent because they're a nerd and they're super smart and now you're screwed and now you drop down um, so that's what this is about. It's about the guys that start off fast, staying hot, um, not having bad nights. Uh, Cabrera and the twins arise, they're playing. So he gets to see, they get to see each other back to back. So that's, that's going to be some good hitting there. I mean, we know the tigers already got them, uh, but you know, that the twins can, can get hot and stay hot. So yeah, I think he could do it. I, I, I don't, I mean, the thing is like, he's in that, he's in striking distance. He just has to stay hot and not let somebody else get out there and him have a slump. 
Yeah, I think he's so consistent. I think he could definitely be in the mix, but he could very well win the on-base percentage title. Right now he's number one at 442, and he's pretty far ahead of uh, Manny Machado in second. Arise is unbelievable. He's just so disciplined at the plate. I love watching him. Ron, do you like high-scoring hockey? Game one of the Western Conference Finals last night, Avalanche 8, Edmonton 6. What? And it's not even the highest-scoring game in these NHL playoffs. There was a 9-6 to game between Edmonton and Calgary in the previous series. Goals galore. Connor McDavid's been at the center of it. Uh, the Avalanche are obviously pretty potent offensively. Uh, Ron, do, will an 8-6 to hockey game get you into the Western Conference Finals? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like when you see that, it's, I mean, I, like I said, I was, I was, I think I told you this, I was trying to stay up and, and watch that and, and watch, you know, this. And it, the pregame was just too long. I was already tired from my daughter's softball games. It, you know, it got cold last night. So, you know, when you come in from the cold, you just naturally want to go to sleep. So eventually I don't even remember. I fell asleep with my clothes on the bed. Like I took a shower, but all my clothes I had not put away yet. <laughs> like it was like, I looked like a college kid that passed out. Like I was just tired. And me and my wife, we both were tired. And so, you know, you look at Connor McDavid, you know, he had, you know, he was, a, he was, a, he was, a, he was responsible for three points. He ended up having two assists as well. Um, but the avalanche, I think that's the key. They got seven, eight goals from seven people. They're doing what the wild, what people wanted the wild to do was they needed Kapril, Kapril, uh, Kapril Kaprizov needed somebody. You know, we were looking like, where's Fiala? You know, you got to have somebody else to help him out. And this is what the Avalanche, you know, they got a bunch of guys, not just one. You know, you got Connor McDavid that had one goal with the Oilers. You had Evander Kane that had one. I mean, same with them. They had one, two, three, four, five, six guys as well. Like, it, it's not one guy on these teams. And maybe that's the answer to championship hockey. You got to have multiple goal scorers on your team. Like, one guy is great. Like, you know, Eiserman, Steve Eiserman, you know, Crosby, great. But Connor McDavid has the luxury of having other guys helping him out. You know, same with with, uh, with Cole McCurr. Has other guys helping him out. McCarr. That's that's the key. Like, you got to have other guys to help you out to be sustainable. Because if you score four goals, they're going to attack you next game. They can't attack one guy on the avalanche now. Because they're like, crap, all, all seven guys can score. Um, like, like that's, that's tough. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to, if it's on – and I'm not tired, I will watch it just to see. Because that's that's crazy. That's exciting to even be it. Because I was there for a high-scoring wild game, and I'm like, man, this is what hockey should be about. This is like six to eight. You can get a lot of like wishy-washy on the fence hockey fans to watch and go to hockey if it's always going to be six to eight. None of that one-zero stuff. You know, stop, stop, you know, stop letting these guys just do stuff they shouldn't do. Protect the scores, put the guys in the penalty box. You know, get special teams on the on the floor. Let it get fast paced. Four on four. Who cares? Do it. Like, let's get some goals out there because it makes it fun, like you see. Yeah, and it's hockey, so I feel like a lot of people don't talk about the big storylines nationally. But on the other side, in the Eastern Conference, the Lightning are going for a three-peat. I mean, they've won it 2020, 2021. They're playing for the right to go for a three-peat. That's a mm -hmm. huge deal in professional sports. So I'm watching that Eastern Conference series pretty avidly as well. All of New York is captivated by the Rangers right now. Rangers lightning is going to be awesome. I hope Edmonton can stay in this series mm -hmm. and that the, the Avalanche just don't 
you know, steamroll them because I want to see more McDavid. I want to see more of this this uh, blossoming rivalry. So I hope it goes six or seven games. Yeah, people are excited for the Rangers because the Knicks suck. So I mean, they they have the Yankees, uh, but when you're when you're a diehard Knicks fan, um, hey, you're like, okay, let's let's try to let's try to grasp on something else because the Knicks suck and they're never going to get Patrick Ewing back. Uh, but that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show. I want to thank everybody for downloading, listening, subscribing. We are extremely thankful at Locked On Sports Minnesota for all of your continued support of our show, uh, the Ron Johnson Show, myself, Sam Ekstrom. That'll do it for us. But please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get iTunes, Spotify, I mean, whatever, iHeart, whatever app you're using, just please subscribe to the Ron Johnson Show and Locked On Sports Minnesota and continue to watch us on YouTube as well. That'll do it for us today. Thank you.